Welcome back to another episode of the Lawyers in the Making podcast. I'm your host, as always, Nate Crespo, and today we have another amazing guest. He's currently a 2L at Pennsylvania Kearney Law School, or Cary Law School, sorry about that, and has held past positions as a 1L summer associate at Manco, Gold, Catcher, and Fox, and as an SEO Law Fellow at Vincent and Elkins. Happy to have him on the show today, Mr. Ted Gomez. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing today? Hi, Nate. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's it's a great day so far. Really, really excited to to dive into into law school and all things law with you today. Well, I'm absolutely ecstatic to have you on here today. Now, Ted, before we get started, can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? Sure. So again, my name's Ted Gomes. Um, I'm originally from Brazil. Uh, moved around a lot my my whole life. Um, ended up uh, in Pennsylvania with law school. I'm a second year law student at the University of Pennsylvania Cary Law School. Um, we recently switched from just Penn Law to Penn Cary. We received a huge donation from the Cary Foundation, which is hence why our, our name has changed. But um, yeah, and I'm really excited to be here, really excited to, to talk about law school. Um, I'm, you know, going to really just dive into anything you want, Nate. Um, just really excited to help people that are thinking about law school that are on the fence about it, but also those that are in law school currently and, and anything that I can that I can uh, kind of give as advice. Uh, I'm really excited to do that. Well, absolutely lovely. Now let's go all the way back to the wonderful year of 2019. You were a Texas A&M University graduate. You graduated in political science and then a year later, you would end up at UPenn Law. So what, what what sort of factors went into why you went to law school? Why'd you do it? Plain and simple. Yeah. Great question. And um, just kind of adding a little bit to that, uh, once I got to 2019, um, I, I, I did finish out college, but then I took three years. Um, so I did get some work experience before law school. Um, I was at uh, Teach for America teaching um fifth graders and sixth graders, which honestly ties a lot into law school at the, at the, at the, and we can talk about it, but in the first, on the first part, so I, I finished college um, and I went to teach and I knew I wanted to go to law school before I became a teacher. Uh, for me, it was, um, you know, first I decided to take a few years because it was COVID and I was really scared about going to law school through zoom. Um, <laughs> that was a huge part of it. Um, that's a, you know, I was approached by a recruiter actually, when I was finishing up at AM. I knew I wanted to go to law school. I was ready to kind of start applying. Actually, people kept telling me, you got to take your else at your junior year of college. You got to take your else at your junior year of college. And I kept hearing that. And I decided to, you know, um, I decided to start studying for the LSAT, but then a recruiter for Teach for America approached me and said, hey, um, we love the work that you're doing kind of with this nonprofit that that I helped um, start with a few friends. And um, we want you to go teach. And I first said, you know, I'm going to law school. Thank you so much for 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 reaching out. Um, I appreciate it. I'll think about it. And and I said that I'll think about it. But I, I was kind of ready to just decline that opportunity and 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 start, you know, studying for law school. But at the end of the day, um, Nate, I think, I don't know if I mentioned, but I'm originally from Brazil. So I, I don't have, I guess, 
this this idea of like schooling here in the U.S. is so different from Brazil. And when I moved here, I, I moved during first grade and I just had fantastic teachers that um, really helped me learn English. Um, and if it wasn't for them, um, I, I truly wouldn't be in law school right now. And so I thought about that and, and I realized, you know what, I do think that work experience prior to law school can be important for some people. Um, some people, you know, they go straight through and they're just fine. Uh, but I think this, the, the three years that I took personally, um, it w- was really important to me and, and, and helping the kids. And, and even though I was a teacher during COVID, that, that was really hard. Um, I, I felt like it really helped me as I, as I kind of jumped into, into law school. So to, to answer your, your initial question is I knew I wanted to go to law school. My, my mom was, my mom is barred in Brazil, so she never actually practiced law, uh, but I knew that was the goal. And um, I kind of veered off that path for a couple of years, but always as a teacher, still thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to be here for two, three years and then I'm going to apply to law school. And to be honest with you, it gave me a lot of time to study because as a teacher, you do have your, you know, August to May, but really that May to May to August, I guess, um, period where teachers do get their summers. I didn't really, I used that opportunity to study and and that really helped. Yeah, that, that's, that's really important experience to, to sort of uh, tell everyone about because it, 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 it exemplifies even further that there really is no straight path to the law school. Uh, just like yourself, you took that three-year gap uh, you know, people telling you, you got to take the LSAT junior. I took my LSAT, I was telling you before, I got a 151. I was very unhappy about that. And I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. Um, and, you know, the big reason why I made this podcast was to really figure out for myself, as well as the people who, who have who have since reached out to me, you know, telling me that they're in the same situation. They're trying to figure out why they want, why they would go to law school. Like, why should I even do it? And, you know, it's it's really important for people to, people to hear that, to take that gap, take those three years, be able to sort of really make and cement that decision. Uh, but I have to ask from that, um, you know, through your teaching experience that you were an elementary school teacher at Richardson Independent School in the Richardson Independent School District. And then you were a middle school teacher at Prosper ISD. You know, did, did how did those experiences sort of change your perspective, or, or, or sort of shape the person that you are before you got to law school? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I, it, when I think of, when I think of the, you, you make so many decisions in life, and I think this was one of the best decisions I ever made. Uh, not only to, as I kind of mentioned the. The kids that I worked with um, in Richardson, especially, were very low income. We had a we had sixty four percent of our students were ESL students, so you know English as a second language, um, and they really needed help. I mean, I had students that you know came into my classroom in fifth grade, but were at a second grade or first grade reading level, and I will say, when when and I get the I get this question a lot about like how especially in in interviews, you know, how does your, how did your teaching experience, how does that translate to law? And one of the big things I talk about is you have to be so organized as a teacher. Um, You have to be very patient with your students. You have to realize that you have students that are so far below where they're expected to be at the grade level that you're teaching 
that you really have to transform your lesson plan and you have to do it with patience and kindness. And, you know, um, there's so many, there's so many traits that I think about, like when I get calls from students that are applying to law school right now, either they're applying through the SEO program uh, or they're just applying to law school. And I went to school with them at A&M. Um, and one of the big questions they ask is, should I take a few years off? And I think it's, again, it's very personal to, to, to each individual and, and their, you know, there's financial kind of situation. There's a financial kind of side of it that you have to look at, at as well. But for me, I think that in my opinion, taking those years off were, were really important for my growth. I say that the kids taught me a lot more than I could ever teach them because, you know, I, you, you really get a sense of like life outside of your bubble, right? Like for me, I've had it, I've had it so well, you know, my parents were able to help me pay for my undergrad. Um, and I just see that my parents have made almost every decision in their life kind of how do I make my kids' lives better? And how can I get them into the schools and that they need to go to? And a lot of my students just don't have those choices and their their parents are working two, three jobs. And so I will say structure, you know, they didn't really have a lot of structure at home and they felt like school was their structure. And you become a teacher, but you also become a mentor. And I will say, you know, all of those skills, the organizational skills, the the kind of patience you have to have with stu with students, the way that you say things to kids, right? I don't want to say it's the same, but when you have a client and they walk into your into your law firm and they've got a problem, like you have to find a way to how do you talk to them to reassure them that you're going to get this job done for them. It, it. It's not the same, but when you're a teacher, the there's so many things that happen so quickly that you have to manage. And I think that's kind of how it works in law too. Like, you know, problems arise and, and, and problem solving is a huge skill to have. And and so teaching really helped me do all that, but organization, I think number one, right. Lawyers have to be organized and teachers are, are I, I would say I was, I was organized before, but after being a teacher, you, you just, you, you really have this different, this different side of what organization means and how it should be done. Um, so I hope that answers your question. No, that that was an absolutely exceptional answer. I, I think you made so many great points there. You, you talked about how important it is to be have that sort of adaptability uh, in any sort of situation, especially with, with dealing with kids. I mean, in part, you're shaping these kids in what you do every day and in, in the year that you have them that, you know, going forward that, you know, the sort of ideas, the sort of tools that you give them will, will be used for the rest of their lives. Uh, so I thought that was a really important point. And as well, the fact that as much as, you know, going into law school, you think about the law, you think about it's about cases and about, you know, being in trials and getting these decisions. It's also as much a very human industry. There's there's so much, you know, people operating that you have to do on a daily basis, just like you said, you know, speaking to a client. So, you know, having I, I feel that having that experience as a teacher will be so beneficial for yourself as well as others, just in sort of being able to handle people and, and being able to direct and put them in the right direction. Uh, but let's go to the first year of law school in 2022 at UPenn. People always say it's very dramatic. Some people really like it. Some people love it. What was it for you? Yeah, uh, 1L is, is definitely one of the 
one of the most stressful times, I think, um, for, for law students. I think 2L and 3L, you, you kind of know what you're doing. But 1L is really trial by fire. I think um, there's so many opinions about how to do 1L. Um, there's so many opinions about uh, how should you outline, you know, how do you meet people? Do you join organizations? Do you not? And I, I think for me, it was finding, you know, finding a good group of friends. I think that's really important. I, I, I was reading on, uh, I was, yeah, I was on Reddit kind of before law school and I kind of got out of that Reddit world because I think it can be very toxic, but uh, it's fun. It's fun and it can be toxic too. But I think one of the things that I read a lot about was, okay, well, you know, when you get to law school, you know, you're going to wake up at this time, you're going to do this and you're going to do that. And you're going to really focus on yourself. And I didn't see a lot of like, I didn't see a lot of advice about how your support system can be not your lifeline, but it can be such a huge, um, huge thing. And I, and I think for me, it was finding a really great group of, of friends right off the bat during orientation. Uh, And I know that's not how it works for everybody. I know that's not how people kind of intend to do things sometimes, but for me, it was, it was just finding a good group and, and I did. And then also when it comes to, um, also when it comes to, uh, friends that become best friends you know i i have a great group of uh of friends that kind of stemmed from just outlining like hey do you guys want to outline and um it's so funny because you create this bond in the beginning that you don't realize like you're with these people all the time like you really get to um you really get to experience all of law school i mean at least you're you're one all with them and so um, I got really close with that group, the the group that, hey, let's outline. And then it became truly like we were spending so much time together that we became best friends. We helped each other through practice exams. We um, we outlined together. We um, we would eat lunch almost every day together. And, um, you know, these are people that you really, you know, you you take you take on as, as friends for life. And um, I think that that that's it's such an important thing that I think people miss sometimes about one L because they're so focused on getting that grade to get that job. And then I think some people forget about making friendships. And, and at the end of the day, if you don't do that, you're, I think your one L experience with your law school experience, like you're, you're missing out on making connections with people um, all throughout the law school. It could be your best friends. It could be just friends in general that are, you know, later going to be, your clients that are later going to be people and, and, and just, again, it, it, I, I think less of it is how are they going to be an asset to you later on, but how can they be an asset to you during law school? And, and I think that that's a huge part for me. So I, and I would separate it, right. You ask a very broad question about just how was it? And I think um, I'll be honest with you. I think with Penn, I, I just had no idea what to expect. Um, you, you think of Penn, I thought of Penn as, you know, this Ivy league law school, that's going to be very stuck up and people are going to be very much on the IV kind of, you know, where did you go to school? I went to Harvard where did, you know, and all that stuff. And, and I, I didn't know how people were going to be. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I I only knew Texas really um, in the second part of my life. And so um, coming here, I was presently surprised by how friendly people were, by how you know collaborative everybody was. Everybody sharing outlines. Everybody, hey, did you you didn't go to class today? I saw that you didn't come to class today. Here's 
you know, here's my notes and things like that. And I just found a really, I just found it way more social than I thought it'd be. Um, and I don't know why, I don't know why I had this in my mind that it wasn't going to be social, that it was going to be cutthroat. And it's not the same experience that I hear from others in, in other law schools, you know, about how cutthroat, excuse me, how cutthroat it can be, or, you know, how some friendships seem to be more, you know, transactional than anything. But um, yeah, so one L is really difficult. Um, I think anybody that thinks it was easy, good for them. Um, I found one L to be very difficult. Um, I think maybe even taking the three years off as a teacher, there's so many things that I gained, but then going back to that, there's so many things that I think I lost. I lost that rhythm of studying. I lost that rhythm even of reading really dense material because you know, when you're teaching fifth and sixth graders, you're not really reading like very dense, you know, materials. And so I think getting back on track of studying and reading um, was was difficult for me, particularly. And I think that reflected a little bit on my like fall grades compared to my spring grades, like my spring grades were so much better. And I think that stems from having a semester under your belt and being able to kind of, all right, I know what I'm doing here. Penn offers two electives in the spring as well. And so you kind of feel a little bit more ownership over your law school studying, right? When you're able to actually pick some of the courses that you're taking. Um, and I think that gives you some autonomy that you don't have in the fall as well. So um, yeah, that, that's uh, that's kind of how I characterize it. I, I It's hard. I think anybody going into law school, I, I really think that you have to know that going in, it's going to be a really difficult, at least first semester and you know what? Second semester was actually a little more difficult than the first in terms of uh, time management, because we have um, in the spring semester, you have a brief due. Um, we had a summary judgment brief due that you don't have in the fall. You have a memo due in the fall. So um, it was a little bit harder, but you kind of know what you're you're getting into in the spring semester. Yeah, I, I think I think you made a lot of great points there. I, I think the the sort of the the idea of having a very good support system around you of those uh, of those friends of those best friends even that they would further on become uh just having that around you it's great it's just great for you as a person because you know obviously as much as you know we got we, we can't forget about our mental health we can't forget about our physical health and i think a lot of the times you know when you're focusing so much on getting that grade getting that job that we kind of forget about ourselves a little bit and just focus so much on the school i mean once again i don't have any experience with that i've never been to law school before but i've talked i've talked to not enough people but i've talked to many people about it at this point to know that having that support system is so utterly important because it just keeps you afloat it you know people can cover for you if you miss something it's no worry it takes away a lot of the stress that there could be uh so i thought that was a very important point that you made uh but what i have to ask is you know what what were some important things that you learned in your 1L uh, in terms of just skills that you gained and sort of any other things that you learned through your experience there? Yeah, well, I think number one is thinking on your feet, right? We can talk a little bit about cold calls and kind of what the what people think about it. But it one thing you'll notice in law school is that at least 1L specifically, your fall semester, you have your doctrinal classes and you this is the first time at least in my kind of 
uh, education where I felt like I was reading something and then I was going to be quizzed on it on the spot, ready to go. And I think that really, and I, I don't think that's going away ever. You know, some people are like, oh, I wish cold calls could, they could just get rid of those or something. But I think that's not going away. And I think thinking on your feet and thinking critically is 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 a skill that you really only, that I've learned by by messing up and, and, and um, in, in multiple ways, right? Like messing up in the sense of like, I didn't read that day and then I got called on and I have to, I have to say, you know, I, can I go tomorrow? I, you know, whatever. And kind of going through that moment. Um, but then also being ready and then being told like, no, this might not be it or, or, or having a good answer and being like, wow, okay. I really do think I learned this, but at the end of the day, I think, um, law school, your, your first semester, the cold calling, I think is, is important in the sense that it does keep you motivated. You can say positively or negatively to, to really stay very on top of your reading. Um, and I think that's important. Um, another skill that I think I've learned is, is being able to hear different perspectives within the classroom. You know, I think one all has less discussions than there should be. Um, I thought of law school and the Socratic method as like students giving discussion points and kind of, you know, going not against each other, but kind of arguing against each other. And you don't really, at least I didn't see that much in, in my 1L year. And I think it it's more geared towards seminars towards your 2 and, and 3L year. But um, I think you just have to be, you just have to be prepared to, to listen and in, in, in just being engaged, right, during the, the conversation, during the lesson, um, during law school, I think it can be easy with the with the with the challenging topics to feel, you know, either one sided on a certain issue, especially when you talk about constitutional law. Um, but I think that uh, at the end of the day, listening to different perspectives and people are so smart, you know, like a lot of my colleagues and and and, and classmates they're just so brilliant and they have so much that they can add to a certain conversation that I think one thing I learned to is just listening to them and seeing what they can bring to the table and, and their thoughts and their, um, you know, their arguments. I think that's important. Um, I think another thing about law school that I learned is time management. Um, even in, as a teacher, I think that wasn't something that I did as well as I should have, but I think, um, in law school, you have to learn how to time manage and people do it differently, right? People do, um, decide to do a nine to five. Some people decide I work really well at night. So a lot of my reading was done at night and some people can't function at night, right? They're in bed by seven, eight o'clock. And so I think finding that, that rhythm for yourself is really important in law school. Um, and there's just so many issues. And this is kind of my last point. There's so many things that you learn during your first year of law school that, you know, some people might've had in high school, a business law class or a constitutional law class. I had none of that. And so I think for me, one of the big things that I learned is that a lot of information is going to get thrown at you and you have to filter. Um, you have to learn how to filter. You have to kind of separate what's, you know, what are the facts of this case versus what's actually important and how does this case shape you know, how is this case precedential and how, how does it shape the next case? And, and that, that's hard. Um, and, and it's hard because you want to learn everything, but you just, you can't, right. It's law school. A lot of material gets thrown at you and in a lot of different ways. And so you have to, you have to filter out what's important, what that's what, and what's not. And, and that, that's a skill that you learn throughout law school. Yeah. I think the four points that you made 
were very good in you know being having time management, being able to manage your time, being able to know your strengths at well when you work well, when you work the most efficient. Uh, I'm very good. I'm an early morning guy, so I like getting all my stuff done as quickly as possible in the morning. And you know, at night, I like to you know relax a little bit more, get a book, read something. That's my kind of thing to do. Uh, doing the homework. It's a phrase I have now adopted for myself. Uh, and clearly it's reflected very well in law school. It's very important to do the homework in the sense of everything in life, especially in doing this podcast uh, in preparing for everyone, uh, just learning as much as possible about people. Not too much, though. I think that's also something I learned as well, because you, you don't want to learn too much for a podcast because it, it kind of devolves into more of an interview than than a conversation. Because if I know too much, then I know the answer you're going to say. I'm always thinking about the next question. It's just something I picked up on. I listen to podcasts about podcasts. It's a very interesting concept. Um, but listening to, to others is a very important point that you made as well. Uh, I always pride myself on being a student for life. Uh, you know, I, I, there's always opportunities to learn from absolutely everyone. And that's something I've absolutely, I feel like I've taken for granted a lot of my life. But, you know, the, the past year or two, I've definitely, you know, sort of dug my feet in and, and really tried to employ that sort of, uh, that sort of maxim, uh, be able to use that for the rest of my life, be able to talk to people and, and have these very efficient conversations, but, you know, draw out some, some deeper truths about people. Because everything, everyone has something to offer, absolutely every person on this planet. Uh, so that... That's that's a really important as well, as well. And finally, filtering information is something that I have especially learned through my experience in doing this podcast. There's so much information. I love the internet. It's my favorite thing in the world. It's how I started this podcast. I just typed in how to do a podcast and it gave me all this stuff. But it's a lot more information than you probably need. Uh, so going through that, uh, being able to sort of decipher what you need, what you don't need, especially in those dense case uh, sort of cases, being able to read and find the, the the stuff that you need for class and that you need for the future is really, really important points. Now, I have a two-part question here. Uh, so first, this past summer, you worked as a 1L summer associate at Manco, Gold, Catcher, and Fox. And my second question is, do you know what you want to do with the law going forward? Yeah, so Manco, uh, Manco is a fantastic firm. Um, it's an environmental, um, mostly focused on litigation uh, in the environmental world. And um, I, you know, they're, they're, a, they're, I would say, a mid-sized to smaller law firm. They have about 30, 35 different attorneys. Um, which is considered pretty small. And um, what I loved about it is they, um, you know, they really push this idea of family and push this idea of law, obviously, is your is your profession. But it, it was what amazed me about them is how much they knew about each other, how much they knew about their families. And you can do that, I think, at a smaller firm. Um, we had every Tuesday, it was an eight week internship. And every Tuesday we had um, it was called Tuesday firm lunches. And so every single person from Joe Manko, who started the firm, uh, he's retired now, but he still comes to the, to the Tuesday lunches all the way down to, um, all the way down to all the associates and the interns. And we're all 
there in a room and we um we just talk and sometimes we had a presentation from someone from like I think one time we had a um a a judge come and talk to us we had a uh we had a few people from industry and consulting kind of side of environmental come talk to us we had an environmental engineer come and talk to us about PFAS which I don't know if you're familiar with but it's like the forever chemicals and all those all the litigation that's going on with that and so um, Manko specifically gave me such a great opportunity to learn about not only litigation, but also um, how to work with partners directly. Because the reality, Nate, is that when you become a summer associate, a lot of times you work under the associates, right? And you're gonna, you're basically getting work from them. And usually, or sometimes you might not even get to work with a partner. Um but at Manco, since it's so, it's so small, um, you do get to work with partners every day. And the partners there have been there for so long. That's another thing, too. It's a firm where even though it's it's on the midsize, smaller side, people don't leave. Um, it's a firm that it's a, it's in the suburbs of, of Philadelphia. But it's it's a firm where and, and you know, that's not and I don't know if you know this, but in law firms, it's not usual that people stay in there for for 10, 15, 20 years, unless they're making partner, like a lot of times they're, they're going to a different firm and and they're doing that whole thing. And at Manco that, that just didn't happen. So it was really cool to, to learn from them. And they have really top notch attorneys that really do a great job on the environmental side of things. And um, I learned a lot. I would say the biggest takeaway from my experience there was how they're able to create a law firm that has this nurturing and kind of feedback oriented partners helping interns. Um, and it, it never felt like anyone was better than anyone else. It the, the hierarchy was gone. And while there is that hierarchy within law firms and law, and you have to, you've got to have the partner, you've got to have the associate, you got to have those titles. No one ever felt like they were above anyone else. And, and I really love that. Um, and working in litigation, I'll say, kind of tying into your second question, I think I'm actually looking more towards the transactional side of things. And that doesn't take away from the fact that I learned so much and and I did mostly litigation this past summer, but um, I think over, over the course of legal writing at Penn, but also taking some other classes, I've realized that I want to move more into the transactional side of, of the law. And um, I'm really excited about that. I think that you know, there's so many courses now that law schools are offering that are just not, not that are not so so focused on litigation. Um, one thing you'll know, one, one thing to note is that 10, 20 years ago, there were virtually no classes in law school that were more like focused towards people, you know, law students that want to go into transactional. Now you have transactional drafting classes, you have um negotiation like this semester i'm taking an international business negotiations class and you know people don't really get to do that often and they didn't in the past because even during interviews people will ask well i went to penn and we didn't have that back in the day so it's it's cool to see that um so for me i'm not sure where within the transactional world you know i do think that uh, mergers and acquisitions is a side that i'm looking into right now um, I think that private equity is also um, interesting. Um, some of the other sides of, of, of the law that I think about too is um, I took bankruptcy. I really enjoyed that um, in my 1L year. And so, and that can be more, reg that can be more, you know, um, 
a hybrid between litigation and, and kind of dealing with the client. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure yet. I think, and that's okay. Uh, um, because now during my second summer associate uh, position, I think I'll have a variety of transactional oriented kind of practice groups that I can, that I can kind of jump into and, and learn from. I have to say, amazing answer. Why? Because you don't know what you want to do. And I think that's a really, really important point for people to hear, especially for myself. Uh, I I recall last year, I've, I've talked about it on, a podca- on the podcast a bunch of times, but I was sort of scrambling, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, because at that point, I was on track to graduate this year. And then I would have went straight to law school in, in, in three years, and then would have done another three years, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, but I was freaking out. And I and I was trying to figure out I, I, I went on YouTube, I actually Robert Simon, who was the last uh, person on the podcast, I used to watch his YouTube channel all the time because he would bring people from different sectors of the law. And, and I would, you know, watch those videos and be like, oh, maybe I want to do that. Maybe I want to do that. And then I reached yeah. out to a friend of mine, Nick Ronde, who was also a guest on this podcast. Uh, we, he went to the same high school as me. He was friends with my brother. He has, He's at Georgetown now. And I was texting with him. And I was like, hey, what are you planning to do with the law? And he's like, oh, I have no idea. And he was in his third year and my mind just like blew into six million pieces. And I was like, what am I doing? Um, so I think that's such an important point for people to hear because they a lot of the times it's like, you know, just a, uh, we're talking about the sort of myths of law school before we started recording. Um, and and I, it's a big concept that I like to do here. I love the myth busting. And that was a big myth that was busted for me. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And I, I couldn't believe like you really didn't have to know. And it's always great to hear from another law student that you you yeah. really you don't have to know until you do it. Yeah, and that's a great point. You you really don't. I think by the second year of law school, what happens is just kind of give you a rundown. I think by the second year or even after your fall semester, some people will kind of make that decision about transactional versus litigation. There's more to it as well. I think that that binary kind of transactional litigation it, it's a it's a big decision to make but also um you have some regulatory stuff there's hybrids you know like for example anti and antitrust is is one that a lot of people say can be kind of a hybrid between transactional litigation um so i think after fall semester 1l or by the end of 1l most people are either transactional or litigation which i'm sure you've kind of heard before but it, it's funny because Oftentimes people decided not go into litigation because they didn't like legal writing. And then they decide then then the other option is transactional, right? And even within transactional or, you know, yeah, even within transactional, there's so many different things that you can do. And you don't have like you said, you don't have to know. And your summer associate position is geared towards trying different things. And so like I would say it's a little unique because Manco was very much focused on regulatory, but also litigation, not so much on the transactional side. Um, and then for me, it's it's about now I have this new experience next next this upcoming summer, not next summer, this summer, um, where I will get to experience so many other practice groups. And I think then right after your second year um, summer associate position, then you kind of start narrowing down. And you kind of start deciding what you're going to do. Um, thankfully, uh, some firms 
they even give you the option of after your first, after your summer associate, if you do get a return offer and you go back to that firm, they do a rotational program just to kind of give you an even, even um, more important thing. I think for me, when I was choosing what firm to go to is they don't just put you in a practice group. So let's say, you know, a lot of firms will ask you to rank them, rank the practice groups by the end of your internship. And then they put you either your, usually they put you in your first or section, second position, but you're kind of grounded in, in that practice group. I don't want to say for the rest of your life, but sort of, you know, Hey, Nate, you match with real estate. Like they really like you. You said you put it number one or you put it number two or wherever, you, you know, okay, now you're doing real estate for the rest of your life. And I think that that's also not great because think about it. Like you could have gone through this 10 week internship and you did some real estate stuff and I'm not, this is not a knock on real estate, but you could have, you could have done great real estate work and you really loved it, but you, maybe you did two, three weeks of real estate. And, and that is that really going to, is that really going to reassure you that that's what you want to do for the rest of your life is real estate transactions or leasing agreements or, you know, whatever. And so um, I think some firms are really smart to give rotation systems. Like some firms uh, do like a six month program and you get to rotate through three practice groups. This is when you're already an associate, right? Or some of them do, I think some of them do like a, I don't know, it, it varies, right? Some do a year and then you do a year in a different practice group. And I just think that's great because yeah. while it makes it probably harder on them to have to do this for the associates, it allows the associates to really get to see like, okay, I did a year of employment law. Do I like this? Do I not? And if you don't, and you did it for a year, now you can jump into something different. And that to me is, is, is really important. And I think, I think some people don't put any, don't put any or, or little weight to the differences to those, those differences and how that can be important to your decision on which law firm to go to. I think that that should be weighted. And I think people don't think about it as much. They're like, oh, okay, well, you know, I'll, I'll do real estate or I'll do this. And they forget that there are firms out there that do give you a rotation system. Yeah, I, I have actually heard of the sort of rotation system. Um, I know another person that I talked to, they, they, in their summer associate, it was rotated by two weeks. So they, it would be the eight weeks, but they do four different things and, you know, you could choose them as, as you wish. And, you know, that was another just mind blowing thing that I learned. Cause I was like, this is, they really do that. Uh, so it's, I found, I found it to be kind of surprising how accommodating this, the law firms can be in, in sort of your sort of journey of figuring out what you want to do, because at the end of the day, if they can help you, you can probably help them by coming to their law firm. Um, Absolutely. It's it's sort of the business model that they build, um, but I, I finding out that that was the business model was absolutely just I was like really <laughs> it's like they don't they don't they don't tell me this before I go to law school or or any like it was such new news to me I was like I can't believe this isn't you know sort of a bigger ordeal that people are sort of expressing and it was a bit a big reason why I started this podcast is because of those sort of. Um, ordeals of, of, you know, how ag accommodating they are. And you're not really like a, you know, a chicken without your head running around. Uh, you know, you have a sort of a little sense of direction of what you could do. So I thought that was a really, really important point that you made and very important for the audience out there who are listening, who are still trying to figure it out, just like myself. 
but I want to go back to uh, Manka with, with the sort of Tuesday lunch, because there's a sort of aspect to that, bringing the speakers in. It's a big part of networking and finding mentors. Can you talk about how important networking and mentorship has been for your own experience? Yeah, yeah so... I love I love that question because if you talk to some of my friends, you know it. It's funny because we'll we'll be walking down like the law school and and I'll see people that I know and I'll stop and then I'll see someone else that I know and you can kind <laughs> of that happens a lot in college too. But um, I I love meeting people. I think Nate we're very similar in the sense that we I I love meeting new people. I love to talk to people and and I like to talk to if I haven't seen someone in a few days and I see them I want to stop and chat if I have time and. Um, I think this is who I am, but when it comes to networking, I think there's some really important things that law students forget to do. And one of the biggest things for me that I did, and I, I just had a, uh, I just had a one up one L lunch last semester that I was invited to come talk to the one L's, um, about networking. And so, so one of the biggest advice that I gave them is you should definitely reach out to people that went to your either your university or people that went to Penn Law, right? Um, and this this was me talking to the one else. And you should reach out, you should reach out to um those people that you find on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is I love LinkedIn. Um I think it's a it's a great um networking, but also connecting with people that maybe you haven't talked to in a while. And for me, I told them, look, you there's a way to search. And I think some people don't know this, but there's a way to search on LinkedIn where you can filter, you know, this person's at X law firm or yeah, X law firm. And which of these out of the whole law firm who went to Penn law or who went to A&M, like particularly I, I, I did that too. And you can filter that and then you end up with, you know, maybe three people, you might end up with 10 people you can reach out to. And one of the biggest things that I, that I mentioned to the one else is that look, you're you don't want to have to reach out to these people after you've already interviewed with them. What you want to do is you want to build these connections now. Like you want to reach out and say, Hey, I'm a one L I'm looking into X firm would love to chat with you, you know? And then when you get to your interview, when people ask you why X law firm, you have this whole story to tell. Um, and you have, and, and I know that sounds really self-serving, but it's really, it, it's, it, it is obviously about building that connection with that individual person, because you never know that person could be somebody that, you know, helps you get a job that, that sends your resume out to the HR. Um, but that could also be a person just within your lot network for, for the rest of your life. And so um, I, that's my biggest piece of advice is that networking nowadays, you know, um, I still, I still recommend getting on a zoom or getting on a call with someone, um, I or even face to face if you're in the same city. But lawyers are really busy, so I think a lot of the times it's about, hey, would you mind? Could we have a call? And um, that's been that was really great for me during networking season. Um, and yeah, I think that's number one. Number two, I think we spoke about how important it is. I think to just meet people at your law school because they those are the people those are the people you're gonna you're gonna want to reach out to. Um, later on in in your career, but another thing too is joining organizations and 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 joining um yeah joining organizations within the law school and joining location specific organizations. So if you want to be in D.C., you know, law schools at least in the Northeast have like a D.C. organization. 
if you want to go to California or if you want to go to Texas, you have the Texas club. I think those are great ways to kind of region, you know, look at firms in a regional way. If you want to, if you don't want to, if you want to be in New York, you know, there's going to be tons of law firms, but more regionally, regionally, there aren't that many, right. In comparison. And so having those organizations to join and they have great networking um, conferences and they have networking, they bring people like, I know the DC club will bring like speakers from Williams and Connolly, which is like a DC firm. Right. And so those types of things are really important too, but you know, I, I think, yeah, I think those are the main, the key points about networking is you first be genuine, I think too. Right. I think law lawyers know when you're calling them and it just seems very scripted and it seems like you are just, just trying to get a job out of this, but when you're really being genuine about trying to learn about the firm, like, Hey, I noticed that your ex partner at this firm, can you tell me a little bit about why you love to be there? Or, you know, what, what is maybe not that specific question, but you know what I'm saying? Like just asking questions that aren't just very much like, Oh, what do you do for your work? You know um, I think that can be important and, and building and building that network. And I think um, that's served me super well. I'll just give me, just give you an example. Um, there were many firms that I interviewed with. There were many firms that I, there were many people that I reached out to prior to my interview. And they said, you know, Ted, it's great to talk to you. Um, you know, I, I, I don't mind sending your resume over to HR. Like HR obviously already had my resume, but hey, I'd be more than happy to do this. And that happened for a specific firm. And so just those things that people don't think can go a long way, but but they really can. And they can kind of change your your trajectory or or how you're, you know, you're accepted or not at a certain firm. Um, yeah, I think those are kind of my key points about networking. I, I can't speak enough about it. I think uh, people that don't network um, do suffer a lot from it. And, and then just one last thing, Nate, I think like law school recruiting is so crazy. And everyone now you know, I think the, the better your grades, the less networking you have to do. I think that's probably the, it's probably generally true. But even then, like it, when, when you have so many people that are willing to talk to you, you should reach out and you should find the time to do that. Because if you don't, I think it will make it a little bit harder for you. Yeah. I think, I think those are really important points. We got, we got a Ted's important points of networking on here. I it was probably what you told those one L students, and I'm happy to uh, to further employ that message on the podcast here. But I think the most important point that you made, and something that I've been reading in a book, actually, new book I just got. Uh, the, it's it's called the four the four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. I love it. Very, it's it's one of my favorite books now. But he sort of uh, he. He went to Princeton and he went back to teach this sort of entrepreneurial sh uh, ship uh, class. And he sort of gave a sort of experiment or, or, or a sort of puzzle to solve for the people out there is like reach out to someone really, really famous. And he gives an example of this one student who had a uh, ha had like a email back and forth for like five months with like the Google CEO. They talked about a, like Bo Zen Buddhism from China. Uh, they talked about it for weeks on end and he basically talked about how willing these people are to answer to you and that's something I've definitely found through my experience how willing that people are talk to me especially for this podcast 
uh, you know, just they, they want to talk to you. It's not it's not that like, obviously, like you said, they're very busy, but they're more than happy to help because they've had so much experience and they want to give back in some sort of way and, and giving you some wisdom, giving you some of their own past experiences is something is a way that they could give back. Uh, so I think that's really important point to make the willingness of people to answer you and sort of help you through any questions that you have uh, is is just so important. And I've learned for myself how important it is. I'm definitely no more afraid to make a call or text or anything like that. I will send a message to literally anyone. Um, so any famous yeah. people that they're listening, expect a message from me. <laughs> yeah, and that, that makes total sense. I think people are scared of not getting a response or they're scared or they, they just have this assumption that people won't reach out. They're, they're not going to respond. And, you know, I, I will say like every, I wouldn't say every single lawyer responded to me from all of the networking, you know, LinkedIn messages that I made, but I think for most of them did. And I think um, any, even, even some were like, Hey, I'm really busy with the trial, but can you, can you respond in two weeks? You know, can you, can you message me back in two weeks and just remember, you know, future kind of, this is kind of advice is, those types of those are the harder ones because you have to you have to put that in your agenda. I think that's the worst situation, right? When someone does reach out and say, "Can you can you message me back in about two weeks?" and then you don't, um, <laughs> and, it, and not because you didn't want to, but you know those 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 happen. And um, I think I've had so many great conversations with people that I'm not going into their law firms, but they were just extremely helpful and they are just now a connection that I have moving forward. And you you just never know what's going to happen, right? Maybe you're going to this firm and, you know, they're there, they moved from their firm to yours, or you know, it's the law world is much smaller, I think, than people, at least the big law world, right? I think, um, and law is just not big law. I know that I feel like I've kind of focused more on my, my experiences as summer associate, but um, yeah, law is not just big law. There's so many other opportunities to be a lawyer maybe you don't want to work at a big law firm and and those opportunities are there too so yeah just kind of want to throw that out there so last three questions so here we go first first question what are the sorts of things that you consume not food what are the sorts of things that you consume on a daily basis either that be social media uh sorts of podcasts that you listen to people that you sort of follow maybe on linkedin instagram Twitter, any sort of that stuff. What are the things that are crossing the transom of Ted's mind on a daily basis? Yeah, I think for me, um, you you don't want to go through law school giving up things that really make you happy. And for me, one of the things that makes me happy is playing video games. Um, I love to play. It's all sports related i'm not a big like fortnite i know people love fortnite and <laughs> and rocket league and all those but um for me it's like madden 2k and fifa yeah and, um <laughs> now i'm in now i've been playing a lot of fifa but um and too well you get to play a lot more fifa than you did during one all but um it's uh it's just something that for me like we talk about mental health but i and you know it's funny i think i think video it Video games to some people might be, you know, stupid or, you know, it's a waste of time. And I think it, it is, it is a waste of time, but then there's the converse, which I think is like, 
it's helping me kind of like relax and, and, and kind of take some downtime. Um, I also love being able to just have lazy days, to be honest with you. I think one L was really hard to have a lazy, like, all right, Sunday, I just want to like not do much. And I think one L you don't have that opportunity because you have to read for Monday or you have to be following up on your studies. Not that you don't, you're too well, but your flexibility with your schedule and what times you have your classes kind of allow you to do that. Um, for me, it's it's about going to nice. Oh, you said not food. Ah, okay. No, I'm you can, big, you can say big, food. You can say food. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not going to say specifics, but I think for me going to restaurants, um, going to um, really great restaurants here in Philadelphia, they have so many good ones. Um, going with friends, going with my girlfriend. I think those are the types of things that really make me happy as well. Um, and yeah, I think those are the two things that, that kind of consume, <laughs> kind of consume my, my thoughts are like, all right, where are we going for, where are we going for dinner? You know, this Friday or Saturday or, um, working out is another thing that I can't stress enough. I, I think it's made me one all, I didn't do it enough, um, or hardly ever, to be honest with you. Uh, and two L I've, I've actually done a lot better with working out, making sure I'm going, you know, five, six times a week. And for my mental clarity, for my physical kind of well-being, it's been fantastic. And so I, I highly recommend do that during 1L, even though you feel like you don't have time and you probably don't, but you should still go. Um, I think I would have felt a lot better physically and mentally if I would have worked out more during my 1L. Um, and yeah, it's a, I do a lot of intermittent fasting. I think I'm, I'm a huge proponent of intermittent fasting. Um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really great. And people think it's really hard and it can be, but it's, I, I do 12 to eight. I know this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but um, no, please, I, I eat lunch at, you know, 12, after 12 and I stop eating at eight o'clock and, and then, and people say, well, I already do that. And it's, it's some people might, but when you actually have to put those, when you put those markers on like eight o'clock, I'm done. All right. Well, everybody grabs a little popcorn once in a while, right? Watch a movie at 10, 11. So I, I think it's funny when people say, Oh, I do that every day. And it's like, mm, okay. Uh, but anyways, um, that was, that, those are my answers working out, um, going to nice restaurants and, and really great food here in Philly. And then just being able to kind of have lazy days and, and playing video games. Well, Ted, absolutely. It's music to my ears right now. I love, I love FIFA. I, I eat sleep. Uh, I have in the past, I got some really gross amount of hours that I have on some of the FIFA games. I play a lot less nowadays, but I still, I still, oh, I play all the time though. It is, it's my favorite game. I really, I don't know what happened, but like in 2021 to now, like I, I really only play FIFA. I, I've gotten very good at it. So I get competitive, you know, I, I, I'm really, I really get into it. So I love, I love to hear the FIFA and I love to hear working out. I was at the gym this morning. I love the gym. I call it my church. I go there and I pray. Um, I'm there every single day. And the first time ever on the Lawyers in the Making podcast, someone talked about intermediate fasting. That is absolutely fascinating. I've done some fasting myself. I've gone like three days before. I get, sometimes I get a little crazy with it. Um, but I love to hear that. It's, 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 it's a wonderful thing. It's a very interesting concept. I feel like it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, I don't want to call it a fad because that makes it seem like it's going to go away and it's not cool. Um, but I think 
it's very cool and it's definitely something that's been you know i see it circulating on my social media a lot of people talking about fasting uh, but so i loved your answers they were amazing now second to last question here a, a bit going into your sort of dinner dates what is an ideal friday night or sunday morning look for ted Yeah, um, I think for me, Friday morning or just the morning. Friday night or Sunday morning. You can do both or you can do Uh, Friday, one. yeah, Friday night. Um, that's a good one. Um, you know, I think <laughs> I love going to um a friend's house. Uh, I have a few buddies from law school. We'd love to get together and play a little poker. Um, I think it's really really fun. I've actually gotten into poker lately. Uh, I was I was a big blackjack guy before, but um poker is really fun and playing with friends is even more and so i we we do that a lot um we we have you know we have our bar reviews for law school on thursdays so kind of uh breaking your rule here but i would say like the thursday night a bar review can be really fun with law school friends um but friday nights i think you know going to a nice dinner um going to play poker with with some friends Here in PA, we do have casinos, so we do like to to go and 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 do that sometimes. But you know, we're law school students, so we got we got to be a little careful careful with with the gambling. <laughs> um, but it's a it's a really fun. I think uh, I think you you've got to do the things that that, that you like to do. And I, I think for me, it's it's just hanging out with friends um, and going great going to great restaurants. Yeah, this this past winter break, me and my friends really started playing poker because one one of my friends, Nick, actually has a like a, a very fancy poker table that his dad got him for his birthday. So we were we were literally playing like two nights a week. I am absolutely incensed about poker now. I started um there's there's this woman, uh Annie Duke. who is like a super, who's an expert. She's like a world-class poker player. So I, I started reading her sub stack actually. So I'm lit. I can't, I can't, it's like, I got a bug inside me. Uh, I love playing poker. I just find it so interesting because, and I, I never really got into it beforehand. And now that I did, I'm so happy because it, it's just so much fun. Uh, it's, it's exhilarating. It's very nice dopamine hits that not, not to, not to, you know, make it, make it lower than it is, but it really is, you know, all the probabilities you could do some mathematics while you're sitting there get, you get really crazy with it. Um, so I love, I love to hear the poker talk and obviously going out to dinner is a wonderful thing. I should do that more, honestly. I feel like there's some nice spots in Albany that I haven't hit. Um, but final question here, Ted, I do this at the end of every episode. What are your words of wisdom? for the aspiring law students, the current law students, and even the legal professionals can get some words of wisdom from Ted. Yeah, I think for me, um, number one, don't count yourself out. Um, I know, Nate, you're talking about your your LSAT score and uh, should I do this? Should I not? I, I think it's it's so easy to look at a score and just say, you know, I, I won't be able to get into this school or that school. Um, I think it's really important that you keep your head up high, like not just you, but any, any, anyone that's applying to law school. Um, it's a really difficult experience. You need people around you to help you. Um, you need to be able to realize that, you know, there, the, the score is just one component. Um, I like to say that too, because, you know, you could have a great GPA and then you could have an LSAT score and that could kind of turn you down. But I think for me, it's, 
there's so much more to it. Your your essays, your um, yeah, your essays, your work experience. I think my work as a teacher was, I mean, my work as a teacher, I think shaped a lot of my personal essays and like who I am today. So I think that can be important. Some people oftentimes, you know, they, they're writing their essays and they're like, well, what do I write about? And I really, you know, I haven't, either they don't think they've had a great experience, um, work experience, or they, maybe they have, but they don't think they have. So anyways, um, I think for me, it's, there's so many, there's so much more to your, to your law school application. That's not just your LSAT, but also I'll be honest with you. I think when I first started, I was around there too. And I think I just decided I'm not going to give up. Like I, I want to do this. Um, I am going to look for other avenues. I'm going to read different books. I bought a couple of different books that I think were really helpful. Uh, finding the time to do it, I think is important, right? Like I had my summers to study for, for the LSAT where other people might not have that opportunity if they're in a different type of work. And so, you know, that's, that's my biggest piece of advice for incoming, you know, applicants to law school is no matter your LSAT score, obviously you can chance me, you can, you can figure out what your chances are of getting somewhere, but don't give up on it and keep, keep trying. I think for law school professionals, my number one advice is after this experience I've had at Manco, um, I really saw this human side of the law. Like I, not like the actual work itself, the work itself, I think is kind of, you know, the, the writing good briefs, doing good work, writing, you know, making, making sure that you have really good research to present to the partners. And, but I just felt like there was this, uh, I think I spoke to this, to you about this a little bit before is. I obviously knew who the partners were and I knew who the associates were, but the partners themselves never met, ne never made the experience or the job about themselves, or I'm, you know, you need to turn this into me. And, you know, um, it just kind of, I don't know how to describe it. It just felt like the hierarchy was obviously there, but wasn't apparent because of the tone and about, and because of the way that they interacted with us. So my piece of advice is if, even if you're a partner at a law firm, I think the way that you treat people, the way you treat your associates, the way you treat the interns is what's going to get people to want to come back and kind of, you know, putting egos aside. I think that can be, that can be really important. Um, never felt like there was a big ego in the room. Um, and I think that's, that's it, Nate. I think those are my pieces of advice. Um, always willing to share more with uh, one else and incoming law school, law students. If, if anybody has any questions or advice or anything, um, always feel free to reach out. I'm, I'm always open to, uh, to helping anybody that's wanting to go into law school. Well, Ted, absolutely beautifully said, as a soccer commentator may say, it was magisterial. But that's the podcast. Ted, thank you so much for coming on, giving your wisdom, giving your experience, having that raw honesty. And for everyone out there listening, thank you for tuning in, and I will see you in the next one.